Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am really excited to talk about this album today. Today, we are talking about Led Zeppelin 3 by the band Led Zeppelin. You know, Zeppelin was known as one of the big three when it came to the sort of inventors of hard rock, right? So you had Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, and Led Zeppelin all in the late 60s, early 70s, and they were the ones that were believed to have shaped things the way that we have them today. Uh, often, uh, often, I can't even speak. See, it's been so long since I recorded a podcast. Often, uh, the fourth band was was referred to as Uriah Heep, and they were definitely right up there. Uh, you know, 1969, 1970, you're talking about albums like this one, Led Zeppelin Three. You're talking about Deep Purple and Rock, which was a huge game changer. And you're also talking about uh, Very Heavy, Very Humble from Uriah Heep. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, really groundbreaking albums. And this is certainly one of them. But before we get into the album, uh, it's been a while since I've recorded. So I have some updates for you guys. Uh, my book series, The Universal Court Book Two, is now available on Amazon. There are a small handful of copies left that you can order through my website, www.scotthaskin.com, or just send me an email because I don't think I ever did put up the PayPal links. Um, but you can get an autographed copy from me. Otherwise, you can get it on Amazon. If you go to that same website on the main page, there's a link to my Amazon store. They were nice enough to offer me one after I had published so many novels. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I, I actually feel like uh, an official author. You know, I've put out seven books, but I'm, I'm working on album 31 right now. I'm in the stages of mixing it. Uh, Kelly, of course, has come up with an amazing picture uh, that I'm very excited to share with you. And that will be going over to Rebecca soon for the lettering. Um, but once again, you know, Kelly just hits it out of the park every damn time. Absolutely love working with her. She's got a great attitude. She's really receptive to, you know, ideas. If I ask for any changes or, hey, can we try this and just see if it would look good kind of thing? Or, you know, sometimes I'll draw the most ridiculously horrible drawing and say, you know, this is my idea. And I label things and I put arrows to them because there's no way I draw them well enough to have them make any sense. And then she takes that basic concept and comes up with something a thousand times better than I did every single time. Um, she's absolutely amazing. Rebecca does a, a phenomenal job with the lettering, which I also am not good at. I don't know. I mean, I can look at a font and say, hey, I think that looks cool. But when it comes to, you know, what's current, what represents the style of music, what's the proper thing to use, what color, how do you shade it so that it, it doesn't intrude on the uh, picture, but stays, you know, in focus so that you can read it. Like all of those things I don't know jack shit about. So uh, I'm very, very excited to work with Rebecca because she does an amazing job every time. So uh, both Universal Court book one and two are out. The new album, The Shattered Room, will be out. I'm hoping February. Um, you know, it's it's been really hard to find the right times to mix this, and it's a rather difficult one to mix. So uh, I'm I'm going to go slow and just, you know, make sure that it's right. I, I don't want to look back on it and go, ah, oh, you know what? I shouldn't have rushed it. I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that. I have rough mixes done for most of the songs that I'm very happy with. I think I'm getting close to a final on some of them. But uh, this one is is really kind of um, elusive to me for some reason. There's a lot of tracks on some of them, a lot of just little tiny synth parts here and there. So it's a lot to keep track of, no pun intended. Um, but I, I want to make sure that I'm happy with the final before I put it out, of course. So uh, that'll be coming out soon. Uh, hang on for that. Uh, Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast is coming back, you guys. 
the new album from Uriah Heep. Chaos and Colors is due out January 27th. Uh, I've got my order in for the uh, the deluxe CD, which has a bonus track on it. I have all the um, you know all the setups ready to go to record that season as soon as I get that music in my hand. Uh, however, uh, I decided to kind of warm up to the album. I didn't just want to come in like I haven't done this podcast in six months since I finished everything, and I wanted to kind of you know warm up to it. So what I decided to do was a season where I revisited all the songs that I covered with guests. Because sometimes when you have a guest on, uh, your focus is different, you're interacting with people, you're talking about things that they're bringing up, you might forget something that you wanted to mention. So I, I found that there's probably things I missed or things that I, you know, forgot to say, or, uh, you know, didn't say the, maybe the way I wanted to, because I was like, oh, that's a great point. And then I maybe, you know, didn't express myself, um, the way I wanted. So um, I thought it'd be kind of cool to go back and revisit those. There were 10 of those episodes. Those will start airing on January 10th and we'll be back on the normal Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. I do not know what day the first episode for the new album will drop. It just depends on when I get the music because uh, it's coming from Amazon. They're usually pretty good about getting it out to people on release day. But, you know, we've got uh, postal worker shortages. We've got all kinds of things happening that could derail that. So I can't make a promise as to the drop date of the first episode. I can say that once I have that, I will work very diligently to get the rest of the episodes out on that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. And of course, this show will continue on Wednesdays and the occasional uh, bonus episodes on Saturdays. If I have interviews, uh, I'm trying to really just keep it to... You know, if it's an album review with a guest, I'll do those on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are like the review podcast. And then if I'm doing just an interview, then I'll do those on Saturdays unless it correlates with a specific release date for a project. And then I will release it on the release date. So there are going to be some random bonus episodes as I get uh, artists that want to promote their releases. But uh, mainly I plan on sticking to the Wednesday shows with the occasional Saturday show when I do the interviews. So as I've found, though, that can change any time. I mean, uh, December 30th and December 31st, I had two unexpected singles that came my way. So I did shows on them with the artists. So I released those on those days. And I was very happy to do that. Uh, great artist, both of them, of course, Dean Ray, really good friend of mine, super cool dude. Um, pretty much everybody I've met from Australia has been pretty amazing, I have to say. Um, you know, there's always the exception, but Dean is not the exception. He's really cool. Really enjoyed chatting with him. We talked for a good hour, I think, after we were done with the interview, you know, just hung out and talk about life and all kinds of stuff. It was really cool. And um, I was really excited about that single. And, um, you know, and then Tatum uh, was on the next day with her single. Uh, I, I still feel so bad because I had just that was the day that I had just upgraded to Windows 10 from 8.1 and I did not leave enough of a window to check Zoom and make sure that everything was okay. Something weird happened when I logged in with the phone. I was getting a, a very crazy echo and um, and it never it, it said it was recording the video, but it didn't. So um, I apologize to Tatum that we weren't able to release the video on that one. When I did uh, the interview with Dean a couple of days later, I opted to just not deal with the phone because I tried to test it a couple of times and just kept having problems. Don't know what that's all about. So back to the slightly blurry uh, computer camera. 
And um, that's what I've got for now. I, I tried to upgrade to the phone and, and log in on a second login because I would get a much uh, clearer picture. But even muting it and muting the audio, I'm still getting this delayed audio coming through it. I don't know why I haven't figured it out. And until I have time to really sit down and work with it, I'll just go back to the um, to the regular uh, webcam that I had before that. It works fine. The sound still comes through the microphone, so it's it's good quality. Um, what else is going on? So thanks to Scott Lazinski, who did the covers for all three uh, Universal Court books. He also was kind enough to fix the cover for What Happened in Vegas book three. So that is now available in print as well. You can get that on the Amazon store. I also have a small handful of copies. I'm actually waiting on the order to arrive as I have this, but I'll just have a few. So if any of you guys are interested, once again, go to my website, www.scotthaskin.com. Send me an email at scott at scotthaskin.com. Uh, there's a link to the email at the bottom of the webpage, or you can just email me there. And uh, if you don't hear from me after a couple of days, then shoot me another message. It might have gotten caught in my junk folder um, and I missed it. I, I'm usually pretty, pretty diligent about checking that uh, daily or every couple of days. So um, that's about it on all the updates for stuff and things. Um, yeah, it's it's been a very, very busy time. But uh, I did have a couple of uh, Christmas videos that I did that I shot over at the Bellagio. Beautiful setup this year. As always, they do such an amazing job at the Bellagio Conservatory. And uh, especially their Christmas displays are my favorite. So I always go and shoot some video. Added a couple more mental song, uh, sauna songs from uh, the Christmas Reflections album. And I'm, I'm working on uh, a couple ideas for new Christmas songs next year. One would be a mental sauna one, and one would be a revamp of a rock and roll one that I wrote years and years ago. If I can find a way to do it where I'm happy with it, then I'll go ahead and get that ready for next year. So we shall see. Uh, those would be nice. But, you know, it seems like I get so busy around the times that I would need to start working on them that they haven't happened the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, you can always listen to Blackmore's Night Winter Carols, one of my favorite Christmas albums, uh, aside from Mental Sauna 3, of course. So anyway, shameless plug. So there you go. So let's talk about Led Zeppelin 3. Now, this is an album that even if people don't know the album, most people that have heard rock and roll know the first track, right? The Immigrant Song is very, very popular. One of Zeppelin's most famous, been in tons of movies and, uh, you know, uh, movie pilots and all kinds of things. So it's it's a song that even if people don't know the name of it, don't know who did it, would be very familiar to them once they hear it. Uh, and it's a great song. It really shows off the power of Robert Plant's voice. But we'll get into that in a minute. My, I, I don't know what my earliest memory is with this album. I had it since I can remember. It was one I had on vinyl. I played it often. Um, wore the record down. I mean, there were lots of uh, skips and clicks and stuff on it. <laughs> before I finally had to get rid of it. But uh, I, I loved it. Definitely one of my favorite albums to listen to. Um, it's kind of a summer album for me for some reason. I, I I must have heard it for the first time or really got into it for the first time in the summertime, maybe spring. Um, I don't know, but but it's usually a summer album for me. But I thought, you know, I haven't done any Zeppelin and I, I love this album. It would be a good one to cover. So uh, I thought I'd get into it. So let's check out a little bit of the Immigrant Song.
I mean, does rock and roll get much better than this? It is such a great song. It's a great rhythm section, right? The bass and drums are really tight together, playing a really cool pattern. Love that extra hit on the highway that gives it just uh, just that extra touch. You know, it's not a straight beat. Uh, well, I mean, the, the beat is straight, but the hi-hat count with that extra hit in it is just a little spicy, which is great. Um, I love the balance of that and the bass and the rhythm guitar. I think it's mixed so well together. And of course, the power of Robert Plant's voice, unmistakable on a song like this. Um, I love that just that little bit of tremolo in the guitar. It's subtle, but again, just adds a little bit more to the song than if they just played it straightforward. I haven't really heard a lot of Zeppelin live. I've heard the song remains the same, but um, I couldn't remember uh, anything about it. Uh, I, I remember there being like a really long but cool drum solo on there, but that's about all I remember. So I don't remember if the Immigrant song was even on it. But um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear a live version of this from back in the day and see what the guitar sounded like if he played with the same tremolo live, if he just played it straight. Sometimes they did that. So, uh, but very powerful song. Um, and it's it's a great album opener too, you know, just really sets the tone for, hey, this this album, as far as we're concerned, is going to kick your ass. And that's why you put a good heavy song. It doesn't have to be fast. It just has to have a good pumping beat, which this does. It has to have a great, uh, interesting rhythm, which it does. It has to have a powerful vocal, which it does. And it just checks all the boxes for a great album opener, especially for a hard rock band. And thinking about 1970. Okay, so I wasn't quite born yet. I was getting close. But thinking about what we had before this, which, I mean, we had some rock and roll. We had Elvis. We had the Beatles. We definitely had uh, uh, some hard-edged music out there, but not a lot. I mean, Motown was really big. You know, that pop scene thing they had going on with tons and tons of songs getting radio play. You had Little Richard. But this album just had to be such a shock when it came out. I mean, this would have been jaw-dropping in 1970 because nothing like this had been done before. So... Man, if I could be, if I could go back in time, I think this would want to be, this would be one of those moments I would want to revisit, right? Where you just see the impact that these albums made. 1969, 1970, in those years, some incredible music came out. So um, yeah, so that's the Immigrant Song. Like I said, a lot of people probably know that one, whether you knew who did it, whether you knew what the name of the song was. But there it is. Excellent vocal by Robert Plant. Um, great playing by everybody. And that brings us to Friends, not the show. This is such an interesting move to go from such a heavy opener to 
a nicely strummed acoustic guitar song. I mean, you don't have have a beat. You don't have that power, that edge that we're just coming off of. And I know a lot of times bands will put the ballad second, right? Like uh, an, an example would be, let's say Rainbow Straight Between the Eyes. You come out of the gate on fire with Death Alley Driver, powerful song, killer organ solo, killer guitar solo, uh, ripping vocal. And then you go to Stone Cold, which is a much more you know relaxed song, an emotional song. But this is so, so different. I mean, you're coming off a really heavy song, the immigrant song, and then going to this acoustic strum song. And this is the kind of stuff, when I think of Led Zeppelin, these are the kind of songs I typically think of. I, I've never understood, and, and it might be because I'm not really from that era. I mean, I was born in 72, but this all started a little bit before me. I don't consider Led Zeppelin that hard of a band. They had some songs, yeah. But when I think of Led Zeppelin, I think more of stuff like this. Um, But they're very unique. They're very interesting, um, much like Uriah Heep, very unique to them. You know, the kind of stuff that they wrote. And I love the strings in this. This is kind of a dark feeling song to me. The strings put it that way. I think if it was just the acoustic guitar and the vocals, I don't think I would feel that way. But the strings just really bring out a dark edge to this song for me. And uh, I've always loved that about this. I mean, it's a great vocal. Um, I love that just kind of like, you know, ride along feel to it, the way that it's strummed, the, the you know, the tapping that you hear in there. It's just um, it's just got a good, you know, gently kind of skating down the street feel to it. But uh, it's a beautiful song. It's very well done. I think the vocals really carry this more than anything. They're very rhythmic, which I like. Um, and I love Robert Plant's voice on this song. I think he just sounds fantastic. But definitely a, a strong digression going from the immigrant song into Friends. So, you know, you, you kind of think, OK, if we're going to do that and still be a rock and roll band, we got to pick up the tempo. And that brings us to Celebration Day. I'm smiling, all the fears that she's been hiding And it seems that pretty soon Everybody's gonna know This song has such a killer bass guitar on it and some really good feels from John Paul Jones. He's playing his heart out on this song. I love the off-tracked vocals, you know, the the two vocal tracks that just aren't in sync with each other. I think that adds a nice depth to the song that you wouldn't get even if you used a doubler unless you shifted the track a little bit. But if you shifted it, you know, it would just be really consistent. Right. Like you you take the vocal track, you double it onto a second track and then you shift it a little bit and use a vocal doubler. Then it would just be so exact and precise. And here it's kind of all over the place. It's not exactly duplicated. And I think that's cool. Uh, it's that would be hard, I think, to record because you're so used to singing on the beat. Um, 
I don't know how I would do that. I, I think I would more likely just sing another track kind of sloppy and just move it. But back in, you know, 1969 or 70, when this was recorded, um, you know, everything was on magnetic tape. So you couldn't just take a track and shift it as easily. You would have to, you know, manually bounce it onto another track and you would have to do that off time of the song. It would be really a lot of work. But however they did it, if Robert just sang it, it sounds great. Um, for me, this is definitely a, a great groove song and picking it up. It's not a heavy song. Um, I don't think so anyway. I, I wouldn't consider this hard rock. It, it's This album in a lot of ways is almost poppy to me. I mean, there's certain songs, you know, like the Immigrant Song or, you know, when we get to Out on the Tiles here in a little bit that are are a bit heavier. But, you know, I, I really just see Zeppelin as like a blues and pop band more than anything else. Definitely innovators. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, their sound and not just bottom sound, which everybody talks about, but Jimmy Page's sound, his playing, his writing is very, uh, very unique. Um, I think John Paul Jones is a great bass player and Robert Plant's voice. Of course, you know, the voice voices are always an, an individual and unique signature to a band. But I think between bottom sound and, and um, Jimmy Page's sound, you really have a lot of uniqueness and songs that no one else would have written or been able to pull off the way that these guys did. So they're definitely a very important band. I just don't see them as that heavy for the most part. You know, songs here and there, sure. But the Beatles weren't weren't really hard rock either. And they had some heavy songs like Hard Day's Night, uh, Helter Skelter, but they weren't considered a hard rock band either. So, of course, that term I don't think really existed when they were around. But um, I don't know. That's it's. I just hear music the way I hear it. So let's check out a little bit of track four, a song called Since I've Been Loving You. Yeah, this is one that honestly, I typically skip um, maybe one out of every four or five times I listen to the album, I'll play it through. Um, of course, back in the days when I was listening on the vinyl, I would just let stuff play. Um, but you know, this this kind of blues stuff is not my favorite. Um, it's nice to listen to from time to time, but not something I ever, ever go, wow, I really just want to hear a nice blues track. That being said, it's not a bad piece of music at all. Uh, Jimmy Page does some great playing on it. Uh, I love how patient Bonham is on this one, but uh, also I love his sound, but his sound is almost a little bit too heavy, I think, in the bass drum for this. The snare sounds good, but I think the bass drum is almost a little too big for this kind of song. It just needs to push the song along, but not really take the focus away from whatever the solo instrument is. And in this case, obviously, it's guitar. Uh, Jimmy's playing great on it. Um, but it's a very simple song, you know, this kind of bluesy stuff. Again, I, I don't typically go for, 
Um, I don't, I don't dislike it, but it's just rare that I'm ever like, yeah, you know what? I really want to hear this. So that is what it is. And um, I, I still suggest giving it a whirl. You know, it's a, it's worth listening to. And if you like this kind of music, it's, it's an awesome piece of music. It's just not really my flavor. So uh, let's move on to a song that absolutely is my flavor. And it is a song that uh, for the longest time, I didn't know what it was. Uh, I just heard it on the radio a lot and I never heard uh, the announcement of who it was. I had a feeling it was Zeppelin, but I wasn't sure. And this is, I mean, when I was really young and I didn't have any of their albums or anything yet, um, but it was definitely one that immediately I just absolutely loved. And it is called Out on the Tiles. really gets me about this song is how breathable the verse is, yet it's also very busy musically. For one, you've got, you know, Jimmy Page playing with some space to allow the vocals to shine through, but also that riff is kind of long for that style. So if you think about a song I've mentioned many times on the show, um, you know, Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire by Jimi Hendrix or Speed King by Deep Purple, where it's just a short riff and then it gives room. But the, the verses are a little bit longer. And so the riff is a little bit longer and it still gives space. But now filling up that space, you've got John Bonham doing little fills. So there's a lot going on musically, but it still allows the vocals to cut through because it's not buried with guitar, bass and drums at the same time. It's really interesting and how intricate and long that riff is, but I really like it. It just helps the song flow so well. Very powerful vocal. Love the chorus. Um, I love Bonham's drums on this. They sound so good, sound perfect for this. And overall, it's kind of a mellow sounding album. It does have a little bit of an edge to it, but overall, the like the tonal qualities of the album are a little bit mellow. And I've said before, you know, Machine Head, which is from Deep Purple listed as one of the, you know, like hardest albums in rock history or whatever. I don't find that to be a heavy sounding album. It has this very mellow tone over the top of it, which I'll talk more about when I get to my review of that album. But this album kind of feels the same way. It, it just has a little bit of a mellow tone to it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just how I hear it. But I like it. I really like it. I think it it's it just kind of de- like I really think all of Zeppelin's stuff sounded that way, though. There was nothing that was really sharp and crisp, you know, not with a lot of gain or high end EQ. It's it's like they they put a um like a, a low shelf on everything and just kept it there so that it couldn't have too much of that high end gain. But in any case, it's it's to me part of their signature sound. It, it always has been, even when I didn't understand what that was. That's how I heard it. 
But uh, yeah, this is a great song. It's great energy. It gets really crazy at the end, which I like. Um, you know, they just kind of go off at the end. And um, yeah, it's definitely a song that's worth listening to. It's hard to imagine anybody who likes rock and roll not to get hooked on a song like this. You may be tired of it if you've heard it a lot on the radio, for example, but certainly it is one that will, you know, it, it'll make you tap your foot or, or stomp your foot or whatever you do. Um, it'll definitely get you moving. Great song. And that brings us to Gallows Pole. Interestingly, on a podcast that I just joined as a co-host, it's called Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, which I forgot to mention at the top of the show. We uh, recently covered Hangman's Jury from uh, Permanent Vacation, which is a great Aerosmith album, one of my favorites. And um, this is another, you know, Gallows Pole, kind of same thing. But uh, this song sample that I played is is the beginning of it. It does get much heavier. There is a, a good drum beat in it that comes in later and it really kicks in. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there's a banjo track on this. It just has that, you know, tinny string sound to it. And I'm pretty sure it's a banjo along with the acoustic guitars. I, and I'm hearing, I'm pretty sure at least two different acoustic guitar tracks, but it's a really cool song. Um, it, it's got a, you know, as it picks up, it's got some real power to it. Again, not an incredibly heavy song, but it's definitely up tempo, very energetic, and something I think that that we really need um, to keep this the energy up on this album because it's been a little bit up and down, you know, with friends. And then since I've been loving you, in the first four songs, you've got two slow songs out of four for a band that's really considered like a pioneer of hard rock. So um, it's it's a really interesting album as far as the 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 choice of songs that they put on here. I think it's a little bit eclectic personally. I, I think I'm just used to it because I'm used to the song order because I've heard the album so many times that, you know, over the years, even as a musician, I never put a lot of thought into what I was listening to. I just tried to enjoy it, to not, you know, dissect it or really think too much about it. If I picked up on something, that would be one thing. Or if I was trying to learn from something, that would be a different matter. But for the most part, I didn't really analyze things. I wasn't like, oh, chord change, or why did they go from the F to the A, or why did this happen, or why didn't they do that? I didn't really think about that too much. I really just tried to enjoy music as a fan. But as I've become a composer, as opposed to really just being a drummer back then when I didn't need to worry about melody and thing like that, things like that, um, I wasn't writing anything but drums. So at that point, um, you know, the point I became started becoming a composer, things changed a little bit. 
I had written a couple of songs, but it would be a while before I would say I became a composer. And now that I am, it's hard to really just turn off my brain, even with stuff like this, which I'm really, really familiar with. Now I'm hearing little things in there. Like I don't, I knew I heard that, that track, but I don't think I ever really sat down and went, wait a minute, what's he playing? Cause that doesn't sound like an acoustic guitar. And, you know, even just in checking out the song right now, that's when I realized it's, I think it's a banjo. It could be a steel guitar, but I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think they had, I don't know if they had Dobros back then, but in any case, I'm pretty sure it's a banjo. Um, and it really adds a lot to the song. You know, it's not really prominent, but you definitely can notice it if you're paying attention to it. And, uh, I think it adds a, a really good contrasting sound to the acoustics. So a uh, really good idea for sure. And some great playing from Jimmy Page for sure. Um, you know, there's some really good drums when it kicks in. And um, yeah, another song I would say thumbs up. I, I really dig it. It's one that I've always enjoyed. And it's like the three songs or the, you know, the, the three songs that were always my go-to. Well, I guess four really would be the Immigrant Song, Celebration Day, Out on the Tiles, and then Gallows Pole. Those are like the ones that a lot of times after I'd listen to the whole album, I would go back and listen to those again. Or sometimes I would just put those songs on because those were my favorites. Um, not that there's a bad song on the album because I don't think there is, but those are the songs that gripped me the most and the ones that I, I most wanted to hear. So, uh, thumbs up for Gallows Paul. Great song. And that brings us to Tangerine. just realized what Zeppelin reminds me of, and it's the Rolling Stones. And I don't know if it was just that little bit where we heard the, you know, the vocals off time from each other again, you know, the two tracks not singing together or in a, in a harmony, because it just kind of reminded me of the Rolling Stones. And I realized this song, actually, the beginning of it kind of reminds me of something they would do as well, because again, known as a, as a rock band, but they had a lot of mellow stuff too. And they just kind of fall in that in-between category for me. Um, I like the Stones. I did a, an episode on uh, some of their Hot Rocks tracks and uh, really dig them. You know, I don't listen to them a whole lot, but I don't really know their catalog very well. But I know a, a good number of their hits and I really enjoy them. Um, they're a band I should really dig into more sometime. But for now, we're talking about Led Zeppelin. And this is, uh, you know, a, another song where it's mellow. Um, we do have some drums that come in and then they go out and they come in and go out again. Um, but it's it's overall a fairly mellow song. Uh, like I said, we've got another visit to Robert Plant singing these off-time vocals. Um, really hats off to him on that for, for pulling it off so well, because I, again, I think that would be a very difficult thing to do to purposefully sing 
off time with a song when you're used to a rhythm and a click track and a feel and, you know, all of that. But yeah, it's another one where you just kind of like, you know, you lay back on the bed and you stare out the window at the clouds outside in the sky, or maybe you just stare at your ceiling or a candle on a table and you just kind of let, let your mind drift away and listen to it. It's a good song, not a an exciting song, I don't think, but it definitely has its place on the album and it's got a good vibe to it. So, um, you know, a, an enjoyable one, probably a fruit I don't eat a whole lot, but a decent song. Well worth a listen. And that brings us to track eight already, and that is called That's the Way. So another really mellow track, uh, again, highly enjoyable, you know, but one that um, not a rocker by any means. In fact, pretty much what you hear um, in this sample is pretty much the whole song. I mean, you know, it's got just nice little chorus. I like that. Uh, it's very simple, but it just has a good warm feel to it. And then uh, almost right at the very end, there's some bass guitar that kicks in as the song fades out, which is kind of weird. No drums. Again, hard rock band. A um, lot of gentle songs on this album, but I do love it. I, again, this is one of those that, you know, you just lay back in the grass and look at the sky and, and, you know, pick out shapes out of clouds and things like that. You just can let your mind drift away with the beauty of the song. But I, I kind of have to wonder, you know, how some of these songs were developed because there's a lot of layers of uh, guitar here. And, you know, Jimmy Page could only play one at a time. So definitely not a live song unless... Maybe John Paul Jones switched to a guitar and Robert Plant picked one up and and sang. And, um, you know, you could really give the song that depth that it needs to to be pulled off well. I guess you could do it as an unplugged, like one acoustic guitar and a bass and vocal. But I, I don't know that you could really get the mood that you get with this with the layered guitars. But I kind of have to wonder on some of these, because there are so many guitar layers, how Jimmy presented them to the band when they were working on them. If I was John Paul Jones... I would want to know, you know, what are all the layers going to be? So I know maybe if I knew you were going to play this in this layer, I would have done something differently. But he lays down his bay track and then Jimmy Page layers them all afterwards. I don't know. I don't know how it worked. But it would certainly be interesting to dig into that a little bit because I know with my band, um, I get the song second. So typically Jerry, our band leader, writes the structure of the song and then he sends it to me to add the drums. So I'm making a lot of decisions. But if I knew what our bass player was going to put down for a groove, maybe I would come up with a different drum pattern. You know, we're not jamming in a room together. We're not working together. We're sending the song for each component to be added. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I didn't 
you know, listening back to any of the songs, I didn't go, oh, I wish I would have done this now that I heard he did that because we were in communication with each, with each other. You know, we were sending um, the the songs back and forth as things were being added. So um, I certainly had the opportunity, but I didn't, I didn't have the desire. I mean, I, I was happy with everything I played with, with what our bass player played, but it, it would be interesting to know, you know, like how John Paul Jones heard the vision for some of these songs that Jimmy wrote just because of that. Now he could have multi-tracked a demo, you know, and said, Hey, here's, here's kind of the song, you know, I'll do a better recording for the album, but you know, it's three or four guitar tracks and here's how it's basically going to sound, you know? Um, I don't know, but that would be interesting. But in any case, it's a beautiful song, very mellow, um, just kind of carries you away. And sometimes that's all you need in a song. You know, they're not a, a hard rock band to where, you know, say like Metallica, where even their ballads have to get heavy. Um, this is just a nice, nice little song for being out in the field and enjoying a nice summer or spring day. Which brings us to our next track. And I hope I'm pronouncing this right. I've heard it done a couple of different ways. Braniar Stomp. Which may or may not be right. Yeah, this this is the kind of stuff that I think of when I think of Zeppelin. You know, it really, to me, sums up a lot of the majority of their songs. This, you know, acoustic guitar strumming. Uh, sometimes there's a beat, sometimes there's not. This song is is maybe a little bit Southern compared to their other stuff. Really, uh, it, it's funny because I think it was uh, Hangman Jury where I said on the Aerosmith podcast that I just kind of pictured the band sitting on this old wooden porch you know, Steven Tyler's rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. Somebody's, you know, playing on a piece of wood and somebody else has got, a, you know, the the big uh, jug that they're blowing into to give that sound, even though that's not in the song. But they're all kind of stomping their foot, maybe snapping, a, popping a finger, you know. Um, it, it's just what I get. And then with this one, again, I kind of feel like they're down in the south on the bayou. They're sitting on a big porch. You've got somebody just, you know, stomping their foot and um, playing just a little bit of cymbal in there, um, you know, but everybody's just kind of like sitting back, having a good time, singing a, a, a tale from the days back when. And, um, you know, the, the they're just going to have a good time as the sun's setting. Uh, it's a good song. You know, it's got some claps that come in later that actually don't really seem cheesy at all. They actually fit in very well with the song. But, you know, again, it's like a, another gentle song with a more upper up tempo you know, um, but good song, none the least. And that brings us, oh, I, I said, uh, I think I said hats off to Robert Plant for one of his vocals earlier. This one's called Hats Off to Harper, but the full title in, with the parentheses included is Hats Off to Roy Harper. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so this is another one of those Southern feeling songs to me. Um, again, I, I kind of picture them, you know, hanging out on the same porch, but this time it's just Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. Um, you know, I'm not hearing any bass on it. There's no drums. Again, another song with no drums, um, which considering, you know, how how this band is viewed and how uh, great Bonham is, I'm surprised how little drums there actually are in this album. I don't think I realized that before. But in any case, you know, it's it's a good song. I like the feel of it. I like that there's a little distortion on Robert Plant's vocal and the nice tremolo in there. Um, nice steel guitar being played as well um, on top of an acoustic, it sounds like. So there's, you know, a lot of cool stuff, a really good passionate vocal from Robert Plant. He really is just kicking ass on this album. There's no doubt about that. He sounds fantastic. Got a lot of power, even on a song like this. He really drives a lot of the music on this album, I think. And um, yeah, when you get to albums like In Through the Outdoor, I'm thinking of a song like All of My Love, where He's present, but he's not driving the song. It's the whole band. But here, you know, a lot of these are just, you know, guitar and vocal or a little bit of bass. So he really needs to push and he's doing a, a great job. But I love the effects on his voice here. Um, the the beginning with that delay was a little bit much for me. I've never really liked that opening. But hey, that's just me. I didn't sell, you know, millions of records like these guys did. So um, who am I to talk? I can only talk about what I like and what I don't like. But a uh, nice bit of studio trickery, just the same. And uh, and a great album. I highly suggest, you know, as I always do, because I'm not going to review an album that I don't like unless it's something that I'm doing like a first time hearing, um, like I've done a couple times. Um, or, you know, I've got a guest that wants to review an album. Like I, I did that Kiss album with John Matola. I only heard it a couple times. And that was specifically for the podcast. That was not a first listen for me since I don't do the full um, clips on the show. When I have a guest, it's hard for me to listen to the whole song and then come back and, and, you know, edit all that with a shorter clip. So, um, I just do those when I'm on my own. So I'd listened to it a couple of times, but it was a pretty fresh album for me. So that's a pretty, um, early on view, but, but in general, you know, I, I would recommend all these albums because they're ones that I love for whatever reason. And this is definitely one that, Reminds me a lot of my youth, but also is just an album that holds up today with great songs and great performances. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of Led Zeppelin. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Led Zeppelin because I don't often listen to them. I don't very often go, God, I really want to hear Over the Hills and Far Away, or I really want to hear Thank You, right? Well, Thank You is one I actually do that with sometimes because uh, it's just such a beautiful song. Um, you know, going to California, all those. But um, yeah, they're a good band. You know, they've definitely, they made their mark on history. I, I tend to wonder what they would have gone on to do had they not lost John Bonham or had they decided to continue on with another drummer. Um, it was nice to see when uh, John's son, Jason, would fill in for him at some reunion gigs and stuff like that. 
um, very cool. But yeah, they're they're definitely a, a band that has their place in music history. There's no doubt about that. And I hope that you guys have enjoyed this album. And uh, if you want to learn more about the Aerosmith show I was talking about, Backtracks Revisited, go to my website. I've got a page for that. I've also got a page for Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast, which leads to hundreds of other pages. There's literally over 300 pages to that link alone. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. Um, I really love doing it. I really love their music. Uh, it's it's great to be able to talk to the band, you know, wishing them all uh, happy holidays and all that. Uh, when the new album comes out, I'm going to try and squeeze in some interviews with everybody if I can do that in between the stuff they've got going on. But that's the hope. So uh, January 10th, those shows will start up. We'll be back here on Wednesday with another episode. Uh, I, as of right now, I don't have a Saturday ep- uh, interview episode for this week. So uh, unless something changes between the recording and the time that this airs, we'll see you next Wednesday with another review. Cheers.